Listening Dog Media. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The Offside Rule. We get it with Lindsay Hooper. Hello, it's episode 10 of The Offside Rule. I can't believe we've hit double figures, ladies. Woohoo! Woohoo! One zero. Um, it is The Offside Rule with myself, Lindsay Hooper, Hayley McQueen and Kate Borsay. We would love you to get in touch with us. So follow us on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod. We're available every Monday via SoundCloud and we're also available to subscribe to and download via iTunes. Now, we do plenty of things. We talk three different topics. We have a Twitter topic of the week, a non-football league roundup with faker others uh, but for now i just wanted to talk about a twitter topic of the week we had two podcasts ago so Haley, you were ill do you remember the do the sick noise <laughs> yeah that was what you were doing at the time but you listened to the podcast and we talked about footballers and whether you ever genuinely feel sorry for them are you with me Haley, on this yeah, and I think we unanimously can all agree that we felt very, very sorry for one man in particular. My goodness, I don't remember a player having as torrid a game as this man. I know, yeah, we were thinking, why didn't this topic come up this week? So we have to mention poor Jonathan Walters. What did you make of that? I couldn't believe it. I just thought, oh my gosh, you know what footballers are like anyway, or men, they don't like losing, they don't like things that don't go their way. Imagine his <laughs> wife or his girlfriend when he went home. Oh, the poor woman. <laughs> Kate, I know that you were all over it that night because we were we had a bit of an exchange on Twitter and stuff, but it was genuinely we felt sorry for him. But the the penalty miss, I think, was the thing that topped it off for me. Like yeah. the two own goals, it's like bad enough, but he gets a chance to redeem himself and he steps up to take this penalty. And you know, Pulis is like, Yep, fine, do it. You know, absolutely trust his man. And then he hits the bar when he shoots the penalty. He must have just thought, why did I go up and take that? But, you know, afterwards, um, the um, Sky Sports match reporter came up to him and, and was asking Pulis about whether he needed to have a word with Jonathan Walters. And Pulis is like, listen, he's, he knows he's just had a bad day at the office. There's absolutely nothing that I need to say to him because what on earth can you say to the guy? He's not done anything wrong particularly. He's just had a complete mare, hasn't he? 
And the worst thing for it as well, actually, from a completely selfish point of view, if you've had him in your fantasy oh, football, you're awful. on minus figures, aren't you, <laughs> to be fair? I think Ian Dowie had him, actually. I noticed in the Sky Sports Fantasy Football League, he was on minus. I thought, I know who you've had, pal. Dowie's supposed to be a tactical genius, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Ah. My little suggestion, not that I do fantasy football this season, but I would put him in now because he'll score a hat-trick, won't he, next time? <laughs> Breaking news, everyone. Stand by your beds. This is Jim White. You can download the Offside Rule podcast this very day. Uh, let's go for our first topic. This is the one where we're going to have a little roundtable discussion, girls, because we're going to talk championship. We always focus on the Premier League, and the championship is often dubbed the toughest league in English football. Um, there is a real tightness to this league as well. I think the difference between being relegated and perhaps being in the playoffs often is just a matter of a couple of wins. So at this point in the season where we're round about the halfway stage, I just thought, let's do our forecasting. Let's talk automatic promotion. Let's talk playoffs, and let's talk relegation. Um, let's start with who we think will finish in the automatic places I think it's fair to say that we're probably all going to agree that Cardiff City with a seven it's actually more than that now isn't it it's about eight point advantage at the top Um, Cardiff City over Hull City we're thinking that it could be the first time in the top flight we could have two Welsh sides Swansea and Cardiff we're in agreement on that one no Hayley isn't Um, Hayley you were shaking your head you don't think Cardiff you think they're going to just collapse I think Cardiff, but I do not believe that after them, I do not believe it's going to be Hull. And I don't think there's going to be two Welsh sides. I think it's Cardiff and the mighty Middlesbrough. It is Middlesbrough season. They need to get up there. I may be looking at that through rose-tinted glasses, but actually, I think they've got it in them to do it. I don't want to dwell on Premier League, but are you saying then that you don't think Swansea are going to stay in the top flight? Because I was saying if Cardiff go up first time, two sides, but you don't think they're going to... Who knows? The second half of the season could be really tough. And I think, yeah, the way things are looking at the moment, I wonder what the odds would be on a bit of a switchover, one up, one down. Ooh. If they if they lose Mitchu as well, that's an interesting... Uh, we should have a statistician Michu, here. Though. Will they lose lose Mitchu? I don't, I don't know. There's no, there's no team without him and maybe Ashley Williams is. I mean, who, who else I is I could there? see Spurs going for Mitchu, though. I've always mm. thought that, but... I think Mitchell will will remain loyal to uh, Swansea until the end of the season. We're doing it again. We're going going Premier League. Let's go back to Championship. Because Hull. So I don't think Hull will go up automatically. Does anyone want to stay with the table as it is? You think that they will? No, I think exactly the same. I think personally that Crystal Palace have a great chance of rejuvenating their season under Ian Holloway. Obviously, Dougie Friedman left. Um, They had a brilliant run. They had a couple of disastrous games right at the start of the season. Then they were undefeated in 14 leading up to mid-November. Then in Ian Holloway took charge and it's been a little bit shaky since then but I would predict that Ian Holloway will get things sorted and they're allowed a bit of a Christmas blip then I am going to push for them to go auto-promotion. See, I'm going Cardiff with... Leicester City mm, to go up automatically. Nigel Pearson. But you know what the difference is now? Chris Wood. He is the Robin Van Persie of the championship. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. That is some weight to have on his shoulders. Yeah, isn't that it? is. Um, as for me, um, I'm going to go with Middlesbrough just being the ever uh, optimist. Uh, maybe they will end up in the playoff place and hopefully get promoted via that means. However, I think they deserve to be up there. Um, Yes, I think Hull might just do it. I know that Steve Bruce has a few players lined up in this transfer window. Fraser Campbell is one of those. Um, Whether by the time this goes out, he signed him or not, I don't know. But he's on his target list and he would be a great target man uh, to have as well. But just sums up how crazy the championship
championship is at the moment. You have these ridiculous results that happen. You got Peterborough. I was looking in the bottom three yes. at the moment. Okay, I think they will stay up in actual fact because listen to this: they've had big scores and plenty of goals against Wolves. They've beaten three nil. Bolton. <laughs> I know. I'm just had to get that in there. Five four, and they've beaten top of the table Cardiff. But Cardiff losing to a side like. Um, Peterborough. I just don't understand how it happens in the Championship. Middlesbrough as well. They've had some crazy results against the bottom half of the table and not just narrow defeats, like great big defeats. OK, well, we're going to roll with this as you're talking about it. So I've got Peterborough relegated, I'm oh, saying. No, I'm say, saying relegated. I say Peterborough safe. I think they, they ship too many goals. Mm. I think they'll go down. I honestly do. And I think... Darren Ferguson, do, do you ever think that players, when you've, had a, when you've had someone as a manager for so long, that at one point they come in the dressing room and you're like, oh, him again. That's what well, I think happens has, with Ferguson now. He has rotten luck in the championship because he took uh, Peterborough to the championship the first time that he managed them. Then they went back down again. Then he went to manage, Peter, went, went to manage Preston in the championship and they went down. Now, he took, now he's taken Peterborough from League One up to the championship and they might go back down again. So yeah. poor old Darren Ferguson must be thinking, why me? What is it about the championship for me that do not get on? <laughs> Well, let's let's go back to the automatic. So we've done the automatic. Let's go back to the playoffs. Yeah. So as we record this podcast, Crystal Palace, Middlesbrough and Watford occupy those places with Millwall and Brighton not far behind. Now, for me, the two sides I've got slipping out of the playoffs as it stands, Watford, I think they will mm, slip. I think yeah. Zola's great, but I just can't see them continuing that yeah. momentum. And Millwall, for me, I mean, losing, losing really good players, for one, um, but also I just don't think... And not and Forest, I just don't think they're quite good enough yet. So for me, the two sides that I bring in are Brighton and Gus Poyer. Yeah, me too. Absolutely agree with that. And my other one, Leeds. I'm going to bring Leeds into the oh, fray. Okay. All right. Late charge, I think, okay. under Neil. Neil Warnock's just too good for me, but although I will criticise him later on in this podcast. I, at the start of the season, though, had Bolton, Brighton and Leeds being up there in the top, along with Cardiff as well. But, I mean, that's completely gone out. So, yeah, reassessing things. I, like you, I've gone for pretty much the same. I can see Brighton getting up there in the playoffs mm. and uh, perhaps getting promoted via that means. But I've got, as I've already said, Middlesbrough and Cardiff, the top two, maybe Hull going through. It's a bit of a tricky one up there, actually. It's so close. It's ridiculous. Mm. And Hayley, if Brighton get promoted to the Premier League, you're more or less guaranteed that calendar you want, aren't you, for next Christmas? Oh, they had that calendar. I've been to the Amex a few times, actually, so maybe I could take my calendar down and go and get it signed by everyone in it and just get them to go through those poses again just for me. By the way, anyone who missed the last podcast, Hayley reveals that she thinks Brighton are the best-looking side. Um, I have a really good topic, by the way, for our Valentine's edition, which we'll do um, later on, obviously, in February. Uh, let's go relegation. Yeah. So at the moment, occupying the drop zone spots, Peterborough, who we've mentioned, Barnsley and Bristol City. Do you see any of those yes. surviving? Who, Kate? Um, I, well, I see Peterborough surviving. I'm really worried for Birmingham City. Their owner, Carson Young, is awaiting some sort of trial for something or other. I haven't quite <laughs> looked into it yet, but it's not great for him. Birmingham are in dire financial problems. I think Lee Clark's done brilliantly to keep them where they're at because he's had no funding, no money, monetary support whatsoever. 
But I really fear for Birmingham, and I have to say that if Peterborough is safe, then Birmingham, I think, will go down. Sheffield Wednesday occupy the spot just above the, the drop zone, just above Peterborough, and I would rate Sheffield Wednesday to climb a little bit higher than that. Yeah, I think so. Dave Jones as well, too good manager. Uh, yourself, Haley, any changes? Um, not really. Pretty obvious. I think uh, Peterborough will stay safe. I have Barnsley perhaps um, finishing at the bottom of the table. I don't know what on earth has happened to them. Big fan of uh, Luke Steele, of course, who plays in goal. Always get mixed up with uh, Jason Steele of Middlesbrough which is very annoying uh, I don't get him mixed up but some people do so I think they have a good keeper in him, him when he can stay fit however it's just not working out for them at the moment I have a Sheffield Wednesday uh, dropping down in there oh, no after what I just said um, I am going let's go up the table girls let's go up a few more spaces as we record oh. this podcast Huddersfield Town they are going to capitulate in my prediction <laughs> and go down I think they, I think Huddersfield will go down, and I think Barnsley will survive out with the three that are in the Why bottom. Why do you think Huddersfield? Um, lack of experience. They're obviously newly promoted, and I just I just don't see within the squad them having enough quality to stay mm-hmm. up. When I compare, well, even when it goes from management through to backing from the club through to the players that they have, mm-hmm. Barnsley under new management, I think will have a bit of a surge, and I can see one of the mid-table teams, and that's the team that I've picked out dropping down and, and going on a bit of a bad run. To be fair, Huddersfield also have recorded a couple of losses and four draws in the last six results. So it doesn't look good for them, certainly, in the short term. OK, well, we'll move on and see whether any of us are right. Um, our second topic, then, um, this one is off the back of Michael Appleton going to Blackburn. And we're talking about flashing the pan managers. Who'd have thought <laughs> that Michael Appleton would be poached by the rival club? Um, well, it happened, a glory poach that um, we wouldn't have predicted here on the podcast. But what it has done has got us thinking about when it's worked and when it hasn't. Mm. Uh, we will go with Kate Borsay. A couple of examples here for you. Paul Ince, I know I've mentioned him before, but he did really well at MK Dons. We love an Ince on this podcast. Tom Ince, a Paul Ince. <laughs> Any other Ince? <laughs> uh, yeah, he did really well at Milton Keynes Dons the first time he was there from sort of 2007 to 2008. He won Manager of the Month twice and got them promoted to League One. He then joined Blackburn. So that was him doing really, really well at, at Milton Keynes Dons. Joined Blackburn too big a club to go way too soon he won just three games in 17 he was sacked in December 2008 after just six months in charge and at that time that was one of the shortest reigns of a Premier League manager I think Stella Solbeck and uh, oh. <laughs> surely has to rival him for that there now. Are plenty more, plenty more <laughs> There are. Um, he joined MK Dons again after that period at Blackburn but he wasn't as much of a success and ditto at Notts County so that's just kind of fizzled out for him now. Dennis Wise he did well at Swindon and at Leeds but I have to say I think a large part of that success was having Gus Poyer as his assistant. He went to Newcastle with reports that he said that he'd lost interest in having that direct sort of contact with football with managing um, football players basically. He left Newcastle when Shearer took over in 2009 and the Magpies were struggling and they got relegated anyway. Wanted to have a look at a couple of managers a bit like Ince who returned to the club that uh, made them a household name. Eddie Howe being one of course. He's now returned back to Bournemouth. Oh Okay, this is my crush, guys. <laughs> Eddie Howe, I love him. I want a calendar of him. Why Just... do you say these things live on a podcast? Well, you, you never know. He might be listening. He might look me up. <laughs> what <Cal>. a cherry. <laughs> Howe, I'm yes. sorry if you listen. I'm terribly sorry about her. Sorry. There is no malicious intent. No, no intent at all. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. Just a calendar will do. <laughs> 
And you can take the Eddie Howe poster down from your walls, Lindsay. Uh, Darren, Darren Ferguson's another one I wanted to mention. He did really well with Peterborough the first time he was there, sort of 2007 to 2009. Got them promoted to the championship, but as I've mentioned, um, left with them bottom of the table, went to Preston. Um, do you remember when he left Preston, by the way? Um, well, Preston, I don't think he left. I think Preston they said... Le- you mean they left him? <laughs> they left him. Exactly. Thank you, Hayley. Um, do you remember his dad um, recalling all of his loan players from Preston? And do you remember his dad making, well, apparently making Tony Pulis recall all of his loan players as well? Like, how petty do you want to get? Fair enough, I suppose. Family. Blood, blood is thicker than water, right? Yeah, mine's kind of along the theme, but slightly wayward. Mine is just unpredictable managers. Manager who's come in from nowhere. Where the heck did he come from? Avram Grant. And the other, <laughs> who did brilliantly for a club in the northeast, dropped down to another uh, northeast club and absolutely crashed and burned. Sorry, Peter Reid. Um, but yeah, Avram Grant, he left Haifa, he was the manager of there in 2002, became the youngest team coach of Israel, OK? Didn't qualify for Euro 2004, uh, didn't qualify for the World Cup. Um, but then suddenly he comes in, found himself as the uh, manager of Chelsea following the footsteps of a Jose Mourinho. Was he director of football first at Chelsea? He was, yeah. yeah. He was already in there in many terms uh, because he was, of course, close friends with uh, Roman Abramovich. Anyway, he took to the helm at Chelsea. He didn't, however, hold the required top-flight coaching certificate from UEFA. In fact... He'd never even received the lower level coaching certificates from UEFA for a B or A level coaching uh, in Europe. But he still managed to get the job. Everybody probably thought, I don't know what on earth is going on here. How is this going to happen? But it would probably be Abramovich pulling the springs. I tell you what, though. My goodness, didn't he do well? Um, He faced his first game after only three days of taking up the role. He lost 2-0 to Manchester United, I remember it. Um, His first Champions League match as a coach and with Chelsea in general, of course, he led them to a 2-1 away win at Valencia. I don't know if you remember that. And then after that, they went on to register a 16-game unbeaten run Mm. under him, including beating Manchester City, that famous 6-0 win, of course, uh, one of Chelsea's biggest ever wins. Subsequently, he was offered the job and signed a four-year contract that didn't last of course uh, and left with the same win percentage overall uh, as Mourinho of 67% just like to say Ray Wilkins holds the highest win percentage 100% one game in charge one game won (laughs) just had to get that in there but anyway yeah he he actually completed his period as Chelsea manager without losing a single home game in the Premier League and then just like that he was gone in came Hiddington. And when, of course, we know where Avram Grant where, went uh, after that. But he had a very he had a very strange managerial career. But actually, it probably was a pretty good appointment at Chelsea at the time. He always reminded me of a baddie in a cartoon. <laughs> he has a very strange approach to massage as well, if I remember reports. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> <laughs> His partner is crazy as well. Apparently, she, she drank a, a pint of her own urine mm. on live television <laughs> for sort of like... Do you remember as, as word, the word when yeah. we were younger? Yeah. My uh, other is uh, Peter Reed. Cheer up, Peter Reed. Oh, what can it be? Yeah, voice of an angel. Very up and very down managerial career. In the 90s, though, a massive football revolution in the northeast. Newcastle were doing brilliantly. There was Middlesbrough with Robson in charge. And there was Sunderland. He arrived from the club after facing a humiliating relegation to the third tier uh, for Sunderland. And he got the Black Cats up to the championship. This is how his record reads. In 95, he came in and, uh, of course, saved them from the drop. He won the Division One title in 96. 97, 
OK, they were relegated. 98, he lost the playoff final but got them to the playoffs. In the 1999 year, he won the Division One title. Uh, they finished seventh place in 2000. 2001, he got a new four-year deal. And in 2002, unfortunately, they just beat the drop but he was uh, sacked after a defeat at Arsenal. Uh, that was just nine games into the new season. But I tell you what, he had a wonderful time at Sunderland. Everybody loved him. OK, he left as our managers do. Part- under a cloud. Under a cloud of just devastation for him and everybody, but maybe not for the fans. And then he went on to Leeds United. Stark contrast. Mm. He went to Leeds. Do you remember that was the the, the, the season where he signed some really strange players mm. that uh, I've not heard of them now and actually I'd never heard of them at the time. Um, <laughs> mystical players. Yeah. Mystical, yeah. mystical spirit-like players. They didn't have any money, of course, so he had to dabble very carefully in the loan market, but he loaned some, some strange players. No money was something he was going to come round to again, wasn't it? (laughs) Dipping in his own pocket even. This is where it started and it's gone downhill since there. Um, He signed Roque Jr. Oh yeah. That's right. Um, There was the Mark Viduca years of course, which Mm -hmm. which were great but yeah, he had massive massive problems. Uh, Along with Roque Jr. there were fellow flops of Cyril Chapuis I don't even know how to pronounce his name. And Salomon Olembi. You know, the famous Cyril, Solomon and Roque. (laughs) It didn't quite work out for him. But anyway, he crashed and burned at Leeds, unfortunately. And since then, of course, his career has picked up and he went on to become a Thai national manager. But there you have it. Peter Reid is my uh, other manager. Okay, uh, my flash in the pan success-wise is Gareth Southgate at Middlesbrough, Haley, um, Because he had no licence, the little theme that you had there, no coaching licence, no badges, no qualifications, top-flight football. <laughs> Hello, Gareth, come on in, make yourself at home. It was a massive risk, and this is June 2006. I think this is phenomenal, actually. He managed to guide Middlesbrough to 12th in the top flight. Now, someone who's got no coaching badges has come, obviously knows the game inside out from being a quite a prolific player, but, I mean, who would have thought 12th? I mean, look at the Premier League nowadays, just to scramble to 17th or whatever. Um, anyway, the other amazing stat that Hayley will love being a Middlesbrough fan and a Man United fan the 8-1 victory over Manchester City in May 2008 8-1 and at one point he was even being talked about as the next England manager so of course things were going great guns and I think that's a success story because of how little he'd done in the coaching realm before going into that job and it's a shame he's not gone into anything else although he's now doing a lot with the England setup of course but um, in terms of managerial career I'd like to see him maybe return one day Um, and my one that bombed and I think this is just because he didn't play the political game right and this was Nicky Barmby at Hull City do you remember and he just went and put his foot in it didn't he 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 took over the realm as caretaker manager when Nigel Pearson went back to Leicester um, and then made comments about the club's owners and transfers and got shown the door and then we've never heard of him since not a dicky bird anyone know where Nicky Barmby is? I don't know perhaps we should set up like a where's Wally type thing for, for, for Nicky Barmby he's probably still just living in Teesside just kicking it in <laughs> Yarm High Street time, just yeah. having having a great time yeah in the pub with my dad <laughs> Yarm <laughs> such a shame but less than six months I have to say there for him we'll go speedily through the second half of the podcast ladies but first an interlude because we have a non-league roundup, a weekly feature with the lovely Faker others thanks very much ladies I did warn you last week that the weather would cause us some problems in the non-league and uh, it certainly has fixtures dropping like flies uh, it's 
going to make for an interesting few weeks as games need rearranging. Two non-league sides, though, facing Premier League opposition in the upcoming FA Cup fourth round. Macclesfield's home game against Wigan is now a sellout. Luton have also sold out their 4,000 ticket allocation for their trip to Norwich as well. So great support for the Blue Square Bet Premier in the FA Cup. Other news this week, Hereford have offered new deals to manager Martin Foyle and his assistant Andy Porter. Forest Green Rovers have signed Gateshead forward Yemi Odebedi and Braintree have brought in Luton midfielder Dan Wall on a short-term loan deal. Attention, though, interestingly, is now turning to the mid-season football conference meeting and the discussion of Rangers joining the Blue Square Bet Premier after chairman Brian Lee refused to rule out the possibility. You can read the non-league paper for more on that and I'll also bring you the latest next week as well. Thank you, Faye. Uh, before we go on to our third and final topic, whilst we were listening to that, we've got some news on Nicky Barmby. Yeah, <laughs> yellow strap breaking news. <laughs> Uh, Nicky Barnby is now coaching his local junior team, Westella and Willoughby Juniors. He manages them on a Sunday morning. This is according to the internet, because everything on the internet's obviously true. He has a wife called Mandy and two sons, Jack and George. Jack plays for Manchester United, so there you have it. Thank you for that update. Uh, all courtesy of the good old Tinternet. Love it. Um, let's go on to our topic three. Uh, this is the theme of January. What do we do after Christmas? We return unwanted gifts <laughs> and we re-gift. Girls, don't deny that you do it. We all do it, don't we? Uh, we are going to re-gift and we are going to return whoever we want three things in football. Uh, who would like to start us off? Show of hands. Oh, you pointed at Kate, Hayley. <laughs> Hayley's going, no, not me. So there you go. Kate, you're nominated. Well, I'm going to re-gift Marouane Shamak back to Arsenal from West Ham. The thing is, David Gold actually thought he was buying Michael Balak when the agent phoned him but the phone happened to cut out just as the agent said Shama and David Gold didn't want to lose face so he just heard Ach and thought Michael Balak fantastic I'll have him Anyway, is this true? This seems like a sitcom. Of course, to me. it's not true. This is just me imagining or well, trying to understand why, why West Ham have bought Marouane Shamak. Why am I believing you? That was very convincing. I was, I was sold. <laughs> Do you really think, David? Anyway, no, uh, I didn't. But I was just wondering where you were going with it. So yeah, Gold got very excited when he thought he heard Michael Balak, uh, and when Marouane Shamak turned up, he thought. Mm. I'm going to have to make a return of this particular Christmas present. Um, I'm going to take shouty Sam Allardyce's vocal cords and I'm going to re-gift them to Andre Villas-Boas. Because every time I hear Villas-Boas talk, well, you know, it's a weird, really weird voice, isn't it? It is very, very Lord. It's a, uh, yeah. I feel like he's about to take his last breath every time I hear from him. Uh, so I'm going to do that. And Jermaine Defoe is going to return the Spurs bra that he was given by the club as a Christmas present from the club shop. Back in the day, there was a kiss and tell uh, on Defoe with a very large-breasted lady who said she'd been having an affair with him and that he liked to put uh, her bra on... (laughs) (laughs) He liked to put her bra on his head because because her bazookas were so big and he used to laugh and wear her bra as a hat anyway when he realised that the bra that Spurs had given, given him from the club shop for Christmas wasn't big enough he couldn't make a hat out of it so he sent it back and asked for a G cup instead oh brilliant allegedly 
Um, I'm going to re-gift. First, actually, no, I've got two returns and one re-gift. Yeah. Um, my first return is El Hadjouf. <laughs> if I was Neil Warnock at Leeds, I'd let him go back and I'd get some money returned. Um, he's past his best, isn't he? And also, he's an unsavoury player. All yeah. that spitting, bad influence on the dressing room. And let's not forget as well, 18 months before the contract that he signed uh, with Neil Warnock at Leeds, um, Warnock had compared him to a sewer rat. Now, I thought that was a bit harsh, but no need to sign him up instead. My second return, of course, is a Wolves theme. Um, now under Dean Saunders being guided, uh, hopefully, to the dizzy heights of playoffs, although I didn't predict that, did I, earlier. Um, Adam Hamill, who's been on loan at Huddersfield, who I'm thinking are going to go down. Let's get him back. Make their woes even worse from my podcast this week. I'm not going to have many Huddersfield Town fans on my back, am I? Not much. Um, but I would love to take Adam Hamill back. I like him as a player and I think he'd be good back at Molyneux. Um, and then in terms of re-gifting, uh, quite an obvious one. If I was the Blackburn fan contingency, I'd be re-gifting the Venkis. Uh, I'd be re-gifting the owners and um, all the rivalry that they have with fellow Yorkshire side Burnley... I'd re-gift him to them. Re-gift the Venkis to Burnley. Um, Hayley, what have you got? Okay, here we go. Um, mine is a bit of re-gifting, full refunding and a swapsy. Remember you used to swap your uh, your football cards? So here we go. It's all deals between the North East and the North West. And no, it's not Man United or Man City. Uh, Adam Johnson, back to Middlesbrough. Mm. If they get to go up, it's all gone a bit horribly wrong for him, hasn't it? But I take him off Sunderland. Of course, he went there from Manchester City. Uh, and to solve a problem from Sunderland, uh, what about Jordan Henderson as well? There's a bit of an issue. You'd want a full refund on him, perhaps. Oh, I'm not a fan. Not a fan. And get him into Sunderland. So you'd have him into Sunderland. You'd have Adam Johnson back out where he belongs at Middlesbrough, back there with Jonathan Woodgate and Parnaby and all those, of course, that who came... Cu- there, that is a good... It is, isn't it? I'd like a full refund on Barcelona's kit, the giant Zoom lollies that they Zoom around the pitch in. Just can't <laughs> handle it. Pre-season, yes, fine. But they, they do look like giant ice lollies. They can go straight back to the manufacturers. And I've still got so much chocolate left over from Christmas. I'd like to send it all to Peter Crouch. The female take on football. Twitter topic of the week, very much quick fire. I know we never stick to this. Um, Vincent Company tweeted quite a few tweets. Um, Massive congrats to our team and fans. Great game. Also, no grudges against the referee. I understand the difficulty of the job. Talking about that two-footed tackle, he eventually had the red card rescinded. Mm. Um, But he went on to tweet about it and say the appeal may work or not. It did. I will never pull out of a challenge as much as I will never intend to injure a player. And I'm wondering if this sparks a debate for us that we can get people tweeting us what they think at Offside Rule Pod. Your tweets would be much appreciated. Two-footed tackles, tackles as a whole. Is it now a redundant part of the game? What do we think? A quick fire. It's getting less and less. It shouldn't be a redundant part of the game. Defenders know what they're doing and they should be able to make intelligent tackles. If you're going to send any player off and have an immediate red for a two-footed tackle, you need to start thinking about some sort of video replay. You need, to, you need to help out the officials because Mike Dean, one of those angles, it looked like a two-footed tackle. Now, we obviously know that it wasn't, but you, you need to be able to help them out in some way. Yeah. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because when you look at it, you have people like Giggs tackling from behind, going round the player and not through them. It's all about being clever. Um, And Company's tackle was a great tackle. I mean, it was a very intelligent move. 
rather than kind of judging them as a whole and just saying, oh, a tackle, a mm. two-footed tackle, is kind of judging them case by case rather than kind of like a blanket ban and that's it. Um, yes, there are players who go in, uh, do they all intend to injure a player? I don't no. think any of them do, but of course it's that whole intent thing. It's just, it's very complicated, but actually should be very straightforward. And for me, tackling is a key ingredient to the game. It's what I love about the English game. We've imported so much from abroad and certainly the Spanish era that we've recently been in and even the Brazilian era of football it was all about the playmakers in midfield. And for me, midfield is about getting dirty and getting those tackles in and making sure that you can win a ball and basically you turn play and hopefully go up the other end and score. That was what I used to love watching in the English game and we don't see as much of it anymore. And I wish we'd lay off the tackling referees. No more red cards for two-footed if the intent was to get the ball. However, going through the back of a player, I understand the, the implications of that and I understand if the intention is to harm and you can see that sometimes with players um but i would like to say save the tackle in fact if you take tackling out of the game altogether paul skulls would be the perfect player <laughs> the, the, the worst tackler in the world isn't it yeah. <laughs> brilliant Hi, this is Kirsty Gallagher and I love the Offside Rule podcast. Well, thanks again for listening and remember you can listen via SoundCloud. Every Monday we release a new podcast. Also on iTunes, get subscribing. Please tell your friends. In fact, I'm going to be quite blatant about it. Tell everybody you can. Um, we would love to get you following and tweeting us. Uh, Twitter is at Offside Rule Pod uh, and we will join you again next week, won't we girls? Certainly will. See you there. If we bother to turn up again. Of course we will. <laughs> See you guys. The offside rule. We get it with Lindsay Hooper.